there's two different ways, distinct ways our culture has taught us to deal with emotions. So some of you guys are either on this end or this end or in the spectrum of these, okay? So the first one is the traditional or the religious way. How do they view emotions? How do they teach you to view emotions? The traditional or the religious way they told you emotions or feelings are bad, okay? It's bad. It's for kids. Okay? It's for low-level people. You got to be in control. So when you get angry or when you cry in public, they go, no, 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 man up. You're a big girl now. We say these kind of things, okay? Uh, we also said that's kind of the religious way because in the religious, uh, in the religious world, we say things like, oh, you know, you got to be in control because, again, you got you to make sure to make it seem like nothing is wrong. There's no problems, right? Like you and your relationship with God is good. You want to show that off to other people. And because of that, again, emotions, like, you know, I, I told you guys this last week, but it's easy to have, like, a fight, or you yelled at your kid before coming to church, but you come to church, yeah, and you have to be like, right, why? Because, again, you, you feel like, I'm not a good Christian if I, if I show my sadness. I'm not a good Christian if I have doubts, right? So we go, oh, yeah, I have these emotions, get rid of them. So that's the traditional or the religious way. How about the secular way? Or the modern way, they told, they told you what? Feelings, emotions are actually really good. So live it out. Let it go. Let it go. Right? If you have emotions, let it out on everybody. The problems that we have, according to the modern view, we have problems because we have all of these emotions, but we're keeping them. So we need to just release them. Okay? Unleash them. Then you will become happier. Okay. So the problem with those two views are, number one, uh, we become under-aware of our feelings or we become overwhelmed by our feelings. Okay. Either we bow down to our feelings, we submit to them, or we ignore them altogether. And the Bible says both of these views are not healthy for you because in the long run, you're either going to blow up or you're going to be blown up by somebody else because you over you know, you overvented yourself. So what do you do instead? So we said the book of Psalms, we're going over different Psalms. The book of Psalms teaches us a third way. There's a better way. There's a healthier way. What is it? Pray, not pray about, pray your, yeah, pray your feelings and emotions. What's the difference between pray about and praying your emotions? Praying about is you just talk about it, God, I'm really stressed. I have these doubts. Okay, bye. That's praying about them. You talk about it, you vent, you're done. But whereas praying your emotion is, you process them. Okay, you talk about it, but you don't just leave, but you process them in the sight of God, in the sight of reality. You go, what do I do with these emotions? And you don't just leave, but you process them with God. And then after that, there's some solution to it, okay? So that was kind of review for us. All right, so today, like I said, we're going to be going over doubt. All right, so we're going to be today, we're going to be talking about three things, three basic things, but what is doubt, what's the cause of doubt, and what's the cure for doubt, all right? So number one, doubt. Now, some of you guys might be saying, whoa, 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 pastor, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, guilt, I get it, because that is an emotion. Um, anxiety, I get it, that's an emotion. Fear, that's an emotion. But doubt, wait, but doubt is not an emotion. That's an intellectual thing. When you distrust something, 
That's an intellectual thing. Well, that's actually not true, okay? Because there's actually two different types of doubt. But actually, whenever you doubt, there's actually a mixture of these things. It's often masqueraded or it's often masked as intellectual, but a lot of times it's actually very, very emotional, okay? So uh, there's the emotional doubt or the intellectual doubt, which is I can't believe in God because there's no intellectual reasons. There's no reasons for it. How do you believe in the Bible? How do you believe that God actually exists? Do you have any evidence for that? So you don't believe in God. The, the intellectual doubt is, I don't believe in God because there's not enough evidence. Okay? Emotional doubt okay, is, personally for me, something happened to me. I don't feel like God loves me. I don't feel like God cares about me. I don't feel like other people are sure that God exists. But for me personally, it's an emotional reason. You're upset, you're bitter, you're unhappy with something, and therefore, I don't want to believe in God. Okay? So there is an emotional element to your doubt. Okay? I, I probably, whenever I talk to skeptics or people who are having doubts, I would probably say 99%, okay, it's emotional. Okay? They masqueraded. They masqueraded with, you know, I can't trust the Bible, or how do you know if Jesus is really the Messiah? They say these kind of things up front, but if we really get down to it, it's really, I don't feel like God loves me, or, or I don't feel like, okay, God is speaking to me, or God's not answering my prayer. So you see, it's personal, which is fine, and that, if you feel like that, that's totally fine. If you feel like you have an intellectual reason or an emotional reason, but most of us, we have, you know, it's mixed. If you have doubts, I'm glad you're here because we're going to be actually talking about it. All right. So let's actually go into it. Number one, what is doubt? Let's go into it. Doubt, according to the writer, he actually says, likens doubt like this. He says, surely God is good to Israel. So he starts off fine. He's like, yeah, I love God. Everything's fine. But for me... So we see already it's emotional. He already says intellectually he knows that God exists. He knows that God is good. But for me, me, I have an emotional reason. But for me, my feet has almost slipped. I have nearly lost my foothold. This gives us an imagery. Okay, so if you just looked at the first line, my feet almost, my feet almost slipped, then you imagine somebody walking down and like there's banana or something like that and you slip or there's water. But he doesn't say that. He says, I had nearly lost my foothold. What is a foothold? That's where you are standing, okay, to make sure that you have balance. So it actually gives us an imagery of not somebody walking, but somebody climbing a mountain. Okay, what's going on? This person is going and going and going, but my foothold, it was shaken. Okay, he went through a spiritual vertigo or a dizziness. Okay, so this is doubt. Write this down or on your note. This is what doubt is. Doubt is a form of spiritual vertigo or dizziness. Okay, spiritual dizziness where you're... Where am I? <laughs> where your heart... Okay, yeah, where your heart spirituality, where your heart spirituality cannot process something that you see. Okay, one more time. Doubt is a form of spiritual dizziness, okay, 
where your heart spirituality, where your heart, it doesn't match with something that you see. Okay? So, for example, a good example is like sometimes, you know, when you're driving and sometimes like you zone out or you're like looking at somewhere else or you're looking at like a sign or you're looking at um, your rubbernecking because there's like a car crash. You think like in your mind you're driving like straight, but what happens? Like you're, you're like swerving and you're like going this way. Why? Because even though you think you're going straight, you're looking somewhere else or you see something and because of that you become off control, right? And that's exactly what doubt is. Okay, doubt is the dizziness that comes, okay, when your heart, okay, doesn't match with what you see. Okay, and I'll explain a little bit more of that a little bit later, okay? Uh, two things, though, before we go into this concept of doubt. First, okay, two little points. Number one, doubt can happen to anybody, okay? We have this concept like, hey, you're just, you just have really good faith. Like, you are born with faith, and me, I just don't have faith. Hey, we say these kind of things. We go, you're just good at that stuff, and I want to be like you and believe this stuff, but me, I just, I, I'm just not born like that. I don't just operate like that. But that's, that's not true. Okay, that's a lie. Okay? Because number one, we see, who is writing this? Okay? Well, if, if you actually look at it, okay, on top of your Bible, it actually says Asaf. Okay? Who's Asaf? Well, you don't know him. Well, he's actually a worship leader. So basically, he's a Christian. He's someone who believes in God, and we see that clearly. God is good. Okay? He says it. So he's someone who's Christian, who believes, who has faith that God does exist, and yet he's going through doubt. So this concept like, well, you know, Christians are people who don't doubt. And these, you know, horrible, like, unbelievers, these skeptics, these are the people who doubt. So Christians, we're good. We don't doubt. And no, 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 no. Even Christians we see here, okay, this guy, he made it to the Bible. Okay, his writings made it to the Bible, and again, he's doubting. Okay, so this idea, like, doubt is a negative thing. Doubt is for, like, baby Christians or skeptics. No, we need to get rid of that idea, concept. Okay, number two. Number two, we have to understand that Christianity uniquely, actually, is one of the only religions where it can actually handle your doubt. Okay, other religions, like Islam, if you doubt, they say, no, 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 no. You don't get to ask questions. Okay, because in Islam, it's all about submission. It's all about you submit to God. You don't ask questions to Allah. You just do whatever he tells you to do. That's his will for you. And that's it. But in Christianity, it could actually handle your doubts. I'll give you some examples of this. Number one, again, this guy, okay, if Christianity cannot handle doubt, why talk about a guy who's doubting? Okay, number two. You guys know Thomas, right? And he's supposed to be like the disciple. If you don't know Thomas, he's the disciple of Jesus. And he has this crazy adjective, which is the doubtful Thomas, right? He's the one that doubted, right? Again, but you guys, you know, Jesus never actually scolds him for doubting, okay? Here, this is what he actually says. Thomas said to them, unless I see the nails marked on his hand and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Okay, when all the disciples are saying, I believe that Jesus resurrected, Jesus resurrected, what does he say? He says, I don't believe it. Okay, one of his own disciples didn't believe. But this is Jesus' response. Jesus does not come and says, Thomas, how dare you not believe? You're a horrible person. You're not a good disciple. He does not say that. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus says, put your finger here then. 
You don't believe? Okay, put your finger in there. You see, he actually says, you have doubts? That's fine. Come and test me. Okay, I can handle it. I can handle your questions. I can handle your doubts. Put your finger here. See your hand. Reach out your hand. Put it inside. Then stop, stop doubting and believe. You see, he's not saying, hey, just have faith. Just take my word for it. Ta-da. He doesn't say that. He actually says, okay, you don't believe me? Test it out. Now that you could test it out, believe and stop doubting. You see, Christianity is incredibly, incredibly open to your questions and doubts. Why? Because the Bible or Christianity can actually handle your doubts. Okay, other religions probably cannot handle it very well. But Christianity, and let me just tell you, okay, this side note. If you are sincerely having intellectual doubts about God, which you probably don't because most of you guys have emotional doubts. But if you really feel like you have intellectual doubt, I promise you that Christianity has amazing answers. It's embarrassing, okay, how much answers we have. It's embarrassing how Christians, when, when people, quit, you know, like skeptics or people come and, and Christians just say, no, just, just have faith. It's incredibly embarrassing as Christians because we have so much resource, okay? So just a side note. All right. Um, so let's go into it. What's the cause of doubt? Okay, we talked about what is doubt again? Doubt is some kind of dizziness that happens. Why? Because your heart does not match what it sees. So let's see exactly what we see here. For I envy, so he talks about it. He said, why did I slip? Why did I almost slip? Why did I almost lose my faith? For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Hey, what is he saying? He's basically saying what a lot of skeptics are saying, what a lot of Christians are saying, a lot of what you guys are also feeling deep down, which is God is such a good God according to the Bible. But why is it that I see injustice in this world? Okay, You see, in his heart, he believes God is good. God is loving. And yet what he sees in the world, it's totally different. You see, and because of that, there is this disconnect between his heart and what he sees. He actually describes, um, it's, it's kind of long, but he basically describes modern day like America. Okay, it's corruption. It's this rich, rich people just getting richer and richer. And basically, they're, all the poor are getting poorer and poorer. And that's what he's describing. Okay, if you want to read it, verse 4, verse 5, keep reading it. And it basically describes modern day America. And says, again, why is it that I see so much suffering, okay, in the weak people, in the faithful people, in the good people who don't deserve all this pain? And why is it that all these rich, corrupted, greedy, okay, selfish people, how come they're trampling on the weak? How is that a loving God? And that's basically what he's saying. And that's, what that's where doubt is coming. All right, so I'll give you another example of this where it can create doubt, okay? Or this concept of doubt, okay? C.S. Lewis actually talks about this. He doesn't talk about doubt, but I'm just going to use an example from his uh, book. So imagine, oh, Jasmine's not here. I was going to use Jasmine for some reason. Okay, I'll use Joanne, okay? Let's say Joanne, there's a, there's, a, there's a really, there's a guy who comes out, comes out. There's a guy who comes to Joanne and asks her out on a date, okay? But all her friends, right? We have a lot of, like, girls and we have a lot of YAM members. All of them, they say, I don't think so. 
Like something, you know, I, 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 I've heard about this guy. Like he doesn't have really good, like, um, like first impression. And also I heard a lot of shady things about him. Okay. And so Joanne trusts her friends. Why? Because they've never lied before. They've always looked out for her, for good. Okay. So she says, in her heart, yeah, I believe my friends. But she decides, you know what, but I'm going to just try it out. Because, you know, he's a nice guy. He's a good-looking guy. Okay? I'll, I'll try going out with him. Okay? So he goes out, she goes out, and she's thinking about, oh, you know, like, let's, is he, is he really, like, a bad guy? But she starts having doubt. Right? About what her friends are saying. Because he's such a nice guy. He's so kind. He's like a gentleman. Okay, He's, she sees the muscles like bulging throughout his, you know. Okay, so what's going on there? She knows in her heart what her friends are telling her is true, that they wouldn't lie to her, that this guy is not good for her, and yet what she sees in front of her is a great guy. And so because of that, she says, she starts doubting. Okay, again, that's what doubt really looks like. Do you guys, do you guys understand that? Doubt, again, is this dizziness that you get because what you truly know inside and what you see is different. This is very, very important because, um, here, let me, and, and that's why, you see, he says, I saw. He doesn't just say, you know, I always, like, this is some new information. Like, I didn't know that God was loving and now I feel like he's not loving. He's not saying that. He's saying, I still believe that God is a good God but what I see is totally different, okay? All right, next one. And this is very, very important, okay? Because we're going to be talking about faith. He says, for we live by faith, not by sight. It doesn't say not by reason, okay? This is what a lot of Christians actually falsely believe, and a lot of sec secular people actually misbelieve as well. They think faith is something, like I have no reason for it. There's no evidence whatsoever, but you just still believe. That's what they think faith is. But no, 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 that's not faith, okay? And here, I wrote in the note, that's blind faith. Okay, that's stupid faith, okay? If you guys are believing like that, that's blind faith. That's stupid faith. Okay, you have no reason whatsoever to believe, okay? And that's why, like, atheists alike, they say things like, well, Christians, you guys should just believe in, like, uh, spaghetti meatball monster, right? Because, again, there's no reason for it. There's no reason for Jesus. Why do you believe? But again, that's not what the Bible actually teaches us about faith. Faith is not something you believe because you don't have, you know, in spite of the evidence, but actually in spite of the appearance, in spite of what you see. Okay, so right here, faith is not opposed. Okay, and this is what reasonable faith is. Faith is not opposed to reason. Faith is not holding on to something in spite of the evidence. Okay? If the evidence takes you somewhere else, you should absolutely go somewhere else. Okay? If Christianity, if you realize, okay, Christianity is not true, you should not be here. You're wasting your time. Okay? I'm not going to be here if Christianity is not true. This whole concept of like, oh, you just need to believe. Don't, don't reason. No, 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 no. This is not what the Bible teaches us. Okay? Faith, instead, is holding on to something in spite of the appearances. Okay? So it's holding on to God 
okay, holding on to His promises in spite of what He sees. Okay, so for talks about it in Hebrews 11, Abraham, he believed. Okay, why did he believe? Did he believe he had... He just believed, oh, I think God is talking. No, he was very, very certain that God was speaking to him. And God told him that he was going to have a son. But he wasn't having a son. But he continued to believe. Of course, he messed up here and there. But he continued to believe. That's what faith is. Faith is not just this like, oh, I, I just have this like wishful thinking. So I'll just like think of something and I'll believe it. No, 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 no. That's not faith. Faith is holding on to what God has spoken. Okay? to you personally, or in the Bible. And despite things not happening, you still continue to believe, okay? That's what real faith is. Okay, so very, very important, all of these things. Um, let's go to the last part. Okay, how do we actually find a cure for our doubts, okay? Hey, how much time do I have? Okay, uh, 10 minutes. Okay, 10 minutes, I have a lot of time. Okay, I'm going to talk about four different things. Number one. Uh, first one, in your notes, it says, doubt your doubts. Okay, that's kind of weird, right? Doubt your doubt. What do I mean by that? Okay, so look at, look at what he says. He actually tells us the emotional reason for why he started doubting. Okay, he says, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. What is he saying? He's basically saying this. He's saying, I saw injustice in this world, okay, but the reason why I was unhappy with God, reason why I slipped, why I doubted God, was because I was being envious. Basically, I didn't get the piece of pie that I, I deserved. He's basically saying, God, all these people, they don't even care about you. They don't even serve you. They seem like they're doing totally fine. Me, on the other hand, God, I serve you. I'm a worship leader at church. But... You're not doing anything to me. You're not doing anything in my life. So what does he start doing? He starts saying, I envy their life. Look at the blessing. Look at the riches. Maybe I should start doing that. So you see, there's a personal agenda that he has. Do you see that? And that's what we have to understand. The first thing when you start doubting is, okay, is this an intellectual thing that I really have a question about? Which, if you do, You'll, you'll definitely find answers for it. Or do I have personal or emotional reasons for why I am doubting? Okay, I'll give you an example of this. Aldous Huxley, uh, he wrote Brave New World. There was another book, but he's a, he's a very famous writer. He says this. He said, when he's talking about his doubt, he said, I had motives for not wanting the world to have meaning. What is he saying? He's saying, I didn't just reject, reject because I didn't find any meaning. He said, I had reasons for not wanting there to be meaning in my life. Why? Because he says he is also concerned to prove that there is no valid reason why he personally should not do as he wants to do. So he's basically saying, the reason why I don't want meaning or God in my life is because then I can do whatever I want. He continues, he says, for myself, so he's being very honest about his doubt. And that's what I'm trying to say with you guys. You need to be very honest about your doubts. 
for myself, as doubt for many of my friends, and he's also saying my friends too probably, the philosophy of meaningless was essentially an instrument of liberation from a certain system of morality. What is he saying? He's saying the reason why we doubt, it's not because we don't believe God exists. It's not because there's no reason for it. We don't want God to exist because if God does exist, I have to be culpable for my behaviors. Because God doesn't exist, I could do whatever I want. Who's going to tell me that it's wrong? Who's going to judge me at the end? I don't want that kind of God. I don't want a God who judges. So I'll pretend like he doesn't exist. You see, he's saying, I have a motive. He talks about it specifically. We object. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, I don't want to believe in God. I have my own agenda. Why? Because I want to have sex whenever I want. I want to be liberated. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. That's why I'll act like God doesn't exist at all. We would deny that the world has any meaning whatsoever. You see what he's saying? He's being very honest with his doubt. He's saying, my doubt is not coming because of intellectual reasons. My doubt is coming because, and this is what a lot of people, a lot of skeptics I talk to, and some of you guys who are in here, even if you're Christians, you have these feelings of doubt. It's because, number one, okay, you don't want to be controlled by God. Okay, you can't imagine a God because you want to just live it your way. Well, I want to, I want to you know, uh, define what good and bad is for my life. No one's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to define it. And so, therefore, God doesn't exist. Oh, what is a Bible? What you, no, you have to be honest with your doubts. Okay? Next one. So, number one is doubt your doubts. Okay, basically, when you are doubting, is this really intellectual? Or is there something else emotional going inside? And either way, if you feel that way, no problem. Okay, let's deal with it. But be honest with yourselves. Okay, be honest. Continuing on, number two is enter the temple. Okay, verse 17 says, he said, I was slipping, I was sliding, I was losing faith until I entered the sanctuary of God and then I understood their final destiny. Okay, what is he saying? He's saying, I was having doubts, I was having problems, but it got much better when I actually started worshiping, when I actually started praying, okay, when I actually started doing spiritual things. Now, some of you guys may be skeptics, and I'm so glad you're here, because again, Christianity, we can actually handle your questions and doubts, so we're glad you're here. But you have to understand, you might say, wait, so are you telling me that even though I don't believe in God, I should pray, even though I don't necessarily believe this thing, I should do it? Absolutely. Why? Because again, the reason why you don't believe, it's not an intellectual reason. The reason why you don't believe is an emotional, personal, experiential reason. But if you're not experienced, or if you're not open to experiencing God, how are you going to experience Him? If you never pray, if you never praise God, then how are you going to experience Him? You say it doesn't make sense. Again, if you have an emotional reason why you don't believe, you got to be open emotionally if you want God to speak to you. You see? So, if you have a hard time with this, just pray to God. God, I don't know if you exist or not. I don't know if you're there. 
I don't know if I could trust the stuff. But make it real to me. Okay, next one. The next one is going to be the really, really important one. I know I don't have a lot of time left, but I'll try my best, okay? All right, this one is the really important one. Uh, verse 18, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. So what is he saying? He's basically saying, hey, I, I see these people that I was envious of, these wicked people, but I realize they're all on slippery ground. So I realize I almost slipped, but I realize them, man, they're just all going down to ruin. They're all falling. You see, whereas my rock, you know, I, I, I am slipping, but their rock, they're not even holding them up. They're just going down in ruins. So what we need to do, we need to actually compare footholds. What I mean by that is, okay, you say, you might say, do I really believe in God or not? Okay, you test that. You, you look at the evidences. Okay, it doesn't make sense if God does exist or not. But you also compare it. Does, if God doesn't exist, does my life make sense? Okay, for example, suffering. Okay, a lot of people, uh, which is, by the way, it's a very difficult question. Okay, like why, does, why is there so much suffering? Why is there injustice? I have those questions too. Okay, so I'm not saying this is an easy answer. It's slippery. Okay, I'm like falling and it happens. But the thing is, it becomes a bigger problem when you don't believe in God at all. Because if you don't believe in God at all, okay, where is evil coming from? Where's your definition of evil? What is evil? Okay, if there's no God, we all decide what is good and bad. So you shouldn't even ask questions about evil and suffering. Okay, it doesn't even make sense. Okay, he's telling me to stop. Okay, I'll give you an example of this. Okay? But I'm going to keep going. <laughs> thank, you, thank you for telling me, but I'm going to keep going because this is good stuff. Okay. And this is what, he, he was an atheist, but in college, he was really struggling with this. Okay, this idea of concept of doubt. And this is what he says. He says, I saw a gap between the possible and the proved. Okay. How was I to cross that gap? So basically, he's saying, I saw Christianity in front of me. I saw Jesus. I saw the Bible. But I, I said, but there's a gap. There's a gap. I have to jump. I have to leap over. There is evidence, but there's also faith. I have to jump over. I didn't want to jump in faith. I don't want to do that. I don't want just faith. If I was going to stake my whole life on risen Christ, I wanted proof. I wanted certainty. I wanted letters of fire across the sky. I love you. And I didn't want to just leap over in faith. I got nothing. But then I realized that there was actually a gap behind me as well. Okay, what is he saying? He's saying, yes, it takes faith for me to believe there is God. But he's saying, I equally realize it takes faith for me to not believe in God. He's going to continue. I suddenly realized, of course, there would have been a leap of faith to accept God because I couldn't prove that Christ was God. But by God, there was no certainty of proof that he was not. So he's saying, okay, I see some evidences that God, Jesus might be God, but it's not 100%, so I have to do a leap of faith. But I realize, okay, if I don't believe that Jesus is God, I also have to take a leap of faith backwards. Either way, there's always a leap of faith. Hey, there is no like, oh, you know, you, you Christians, you guys just have faith and I, you know, I just have reason. No, 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 no. Okay, 
Therefore, to even go back was a leap of faith. This was not to be born. I cannot reject Jesus without great faith. So he's saying, yes, it takes great faith for me to believe in God, but it takes even greater faith for me to not believe in God. Because I see the condition of my world. I see the injustice, the feeling of injustice and anger when I see injustice. And I go, how do I make sense of this? Okay? Is it a difficult question? Absolutely for Christians. But it's even a worse one when you go backwards. There's no questions in the back. There's no answers for you. When I realized it, it would take enormous faith just to reject Jesus, I knew what to do. There was only one thing I could do. Once I saw the gap behind me, I flung myself over to the gap towards Jesus. What is he saying? He's saying, no matter what, you're always going to be taking faith. I know some of you guys who are not Christians or who don't like that word, you're, no, I believe in science. No, what are you talking about? Okay, you might believe that, but no, every single thing that you do, there's always something that you believe in. Okay, because you can't say for 100% that God doesn't exist. It takes a leap of faith, but it takes a greater leap. And that's what he's basically saying. Okay, uh, one philosopher, he said it this way, the most appealing kind of evil and horrifying weakness is a problem for anyone who believes in God. He's basically saying, okay, if you believe God, in spite of all the difficulties in the world, that's a big problem for Christianity. And I, I would agree. It's not easy. It's a very difficult okay, question. But they are at least as big, if not a bigger problem for those who do not believe in God. And those are the only two alternatives. So what is he saying? He's saying, yes, I don't understand. Okay, I'm trying to hold on to God who is a loving God. And yet at the same time, what I see is a world full of suffering. And it's kind of shaky. But on the other ground, I, can't, I have nowhere to stand. I have nowhere to stand. I don't even know who I should ask this question to. Because what is evil? What is good? I define it. Okay? There's no God to talk to. And this question itself, it doesn't matter. So he's saying we need to compare footholds. Okay? Are there difficult questions in Christianity? Absolutely. But what he's saying, what Asaf is saying, is there's bigger problems if you don't believe. You're going to leave your eternity on that? He's saying, no, I don't want that. And that's why he's saying, until I got to the sanctuary, until I, I saw what really happens, that they're slipping and sliding and they're just falling, I realize, yeah, this is not going to work. Okay, last. Final one is feel for his hand. Okay, feel for his hand. Uh, in verse 22 and verse 23, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet, I am always with you. Okay, and this is very important. He's not, saying, he's not saying, hey, I'm always with you. No, he's actually saying because. Why? Why am I always with God? Because you hold me by my right hand. You're going to see that you're going to go through doubts, time of doubts, time of difficulty. But what you really need to see is that God is still holding on to you. He's actually very honest. He's saying, God, when I became envious, because I felt like you didn't, you abandoned me. Even though I knew you're a good God, I just went through my personal own doubt. And I, I said all these nasty things to you. I acted like animal to you, but still, you're holding on to me. 
You see, this is the only way you're going to be able to actually go through or process your doubts. Okay? A lot of times you go, oh, I don't want God. I'm going to deal with it on my own. But what God is saying is, no, 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 no. You're doubting? That's fine. I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to be with you. Let me just end with this. Because you might still feel like, ah, oh, Kitty and I, faith thing is just not me. And if you feel that way, no problem. Because it's not about your faith anyways. It's about the object of your faith. It's about Jesus holding on to you. It's okay if you doubt. It's okay if you're faithless. That's fine because it's about God being faithful and God being the rock. Okay, I'll give you an example of this and I'll end, okay? Imagine two person rock climbing. They fall, both of them. But they somehow hold on to a ledger and they're holding on. There's two guys. And both of them, they see on their left one rock and they see another place where they could put their feet, right? They, could, they, they see on the left and on the right where to put their feet. One guy says, I know for sure this is the one. I have faith. I have 100% complete faith that this will hold up. Another guy sees both side heels. I don't, I don't know. I'm losing, I'm losing strength. But this side and this side, I don't, I don't know which side is going to hold up for me. Okay? The first guy, he, he puts his foot, loose rock, falls down and dies. Okay? Falls down and dies. Other guy, he puts it on, the, the rock was stable. It held up. Okay? Who was saved? The person who had the better faith? No, 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 no. Right? It's about placing your faith in the right thing. It's not about how much faith you have because this guy was so certain. But it doesn't matter. Why? Because his faith was placed in something fallible, a loose rock. So it doesn't matter how much faith you have if you have it in the wrong thing. Even if you don't have faith, if you have it in the right thing, that's what's going to save you. And you see, and that's what he's saying here. He's saying, it's not about me. It's about how God has been faithful to me. It's about placing my faith, even if I don't have faith, just coming to God and saying, I'm going to still place it on you. So, are you going through doubt in your life? Then four things, again, number one. What was it? I forgot. What was it? Doubt your doubts. Number two, enter into the sanctuary. Number three, compare foothold. Number three, oh, number four, to notice that God is still with you, even through your doubts. Let's go into a time of reflection.